Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Hey folks, today is Friday, June 14, 2019. Coming up on Roller Martin Unfiltered, broadcasting live from the 23rd Annual American Black Film Festival. We'll be chatting with Master P, Lil Romeo, Symphony about their new movie. We'll tell you all about it. Also, Anthony Anderson uh, and Chris Singleton talk about their Netflix film, Beats. Wait till you hear that interview. Y'all know Anthony's ignorant as usual. But also, we got some big news. We'll talk about a rapper shot 55 times by cops in California while he was sleeping in his car. What is happening in Bahia, California? Also, uh, in New York, activists are demanding that all cases involving Linda Fairstein, the woman who was behind the Central Park Five, they want those cases reopened. There's going to be a massive protest into the DA office Monday in New York and also we'll talk about a black man shot 20 times by U.S. Marshals in Memphis. They've been protesting all week. Folks, we got a jam-packed show. It's time to bring the funk on Roller Martin Unfiltered. Let's go.
folks, Roland Martin here. It is storming here in Miami, but it is uh, hot inside 23rd Annual American Black Film Festival. Uh, it has been uh, on fire since Wednesday when it started. We've been jam-packed with all kinds of stuff. Kicked off with the, uh, of course, red carpet premiere of the movie Shaft. Uh, earlier today, I talked to Amari Hardwick. Yesterday, Anthony Anderson, Chris Singleton, also the cast of Ambitions. And so uh, all kind of great stuff we'll be having for you over the next couple of weeks. But right now, we want to turn to some folks who know a little bit about entertainment, uh, and that is of course, uh, the patriarch, Master P, who's here. My brother, good to see you as well. Of course, little Romeo, looking clean over there. And of course, Tiffany, how you doing? Good. All right, then. So first and foremost, uh, y'all been at ABF before, right? Yeah, this is, this is for us. This is probably one of the most important things for us to do as African-American filmmakers. This is it. People don't realize you make movies. You come out there, let the world know what's your project. For us, I got the hookup, too. This is financed by us, uh, starring us, the family, Symphonique, Romeo, produced by us. All by us. <laughs> you know, so this is one of the movies, man, that I feel like the world, as African-Americans, we need to support. I tell people all the time, Black Panther was a big film, but we didn't own it. So, you know, like, we're, we're going to change the game with this movie, showing people across the world that support us, because we can su support the community. And the reality, Lil Romeo, is when you think about this place here, there are a lot of independent filmmakers. There are people who don't have deals with major studios. Uh, and the reality is ownership is the key. Ray Charles talked about owning your masters. Uh, Sam Cooke, same thing. Uh, uh, Nipsey Hussle, owning masters. Uh, but when it comes to movies, some folks say, hey, I made it. I just want to be able to sell it to somebody else. That's the easy way out. You got to realize when we're talking about ownership, that takes a lot of work. A lot of people just don't want to put in the work. And we standing next to somebody who that's what he believed in, and that's what he showed the world when he started No Limit Records. If you don't know that story, this man was offered a million dollars with no money in his pocket. He turned that down because he understood the power of ownership. So it's going to take a lot of hard work. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. But the ones who really want to go out there and make a difference, you got to know you're going to fall down, you're going to keep falling down, you're going to keep failing. But it's worth it at the end of the day. Well, I, also think, I also think it's going to get bigger from here because this is going to open up a lot of doors. Not only we put Hollywood stars, we put social media stars, we put a lot of underdog talent that is great, that came to work. I mean, we had over 126 speaking roles in this project, which we up for the that's Guinness the, Book of Records. That's the beautiful thing about ownership. Yeah. We get to give the jobs out, and we give it to the people who really deserve it. You know, it's not no game. It's not about, oh, well, this person's doing that. The people who really deserve the jobs is going to get the jobs. I understand it because, look, when TV One uh, canceled my show, News One Now, and I launched this digital show, people were like, what are you doing? I said, well, uh, I'd rather own the show. And the thing, Symphony, I get to decide where we broadcast from. Uh, I, I didn't have to ask somebody permission. Can we come and do the show from American Black Film Festival? Talk about as well. So that's the thing. Like, movies really are shaping society. It's more than just entertainment. It's about our voice. And, you know, you were talking about things like Central Park Five and all that. That is showing the world and giving our voice to the world. So us on the comedy side, we're bringing it two generations together. And the power of social media and all that stuff, word spreads fast. You know what I'm saying? So we are a powerhouse working from two different angles, bringing two generations together. And, of course, uh, I got the hookup. When is it going to drop, too? When, when, I got the hookup, too. When is it going to drop? July 12th in theaters. We're taking Hollywood to New Orleans for the premiere. The premiere is not in Hollywood. It's in New Orleans during Essence Week, July 5th. By us owning this, we're able to do this. Our thing is telling people, 
you know what, call these theaters. Let them know we need to be in more theaters. They can't limit us in theaters because we have a great classic project that people across the world want to see. But we're not going to let them limit us. We're going to get out here and fight till July 12th come and get in more and more and more and more theaters. I, I, I tell them this right now, it's time to support urban films, especially the good ones, the ones that, I mean, this is an incredible cast. You got John Weatherspoon in here, Cheryl Underwood, Michael Blackston, Romeo Symphonique, myself, DC Youngfly, P.O. Fatboy. This is going to be, this is going to be an incredible project, and this is only going to open up the doors for more great projects. Like more, more doors, and it's more than a movie, it's a movement. Yeah. All right, then. Lee final comment. July 12th, I got the hook up too. Holla if you hear me. Uh. <laughs> Lil Romeo, I appreciate it. Thank you so very much. Master P. I'm sorry. Well, first of all, well, look, look just like just like my nephews, they're in college, they say, well, I can't call you Uncle Roro. I'm like, no. Your ass still my nephew. You gonna call me Uncle Roro. So it's like, but there ain't nothing wrong with Lil, you know? Because when you hit 50, you're like, can y'all call me Lil? Can y'all call me Lil? Master P, I appreciate it. Yes. Same it's good to meet you. Good luck with it. All right. I appreciate it, my man. Thanks a lot. Uh, they're going to, of course, have their panel at 7 o'clock here at American Black Film Fest. We want to bring in my panel right now. Uh, of course, uh, we got Eugene Craig. Eugene Craig, uh, he's a CEO of his own organization there based uh, out of Maryland. Eugene, what's up? Hey, doing good, brother. Doing good. All right, then. So I'm trying to make sure I can hear everybody. Also, Lauren Victoria Burke, uh, NNPA. Lauren is there. And also, uh, I have uh, on the panel, I'm sorry here, uh, Teresa Lundy. Uh, of course, uh, TML Communications. Uh, Teresa, how you doing? Happy to be here, Roland. How are you? Doing great. So, Teresa, I want to start with you, of course, being here uh, at ABFF. What you're dealing with, there are a lot of people here, Teresa, who are owning product. And what we're now seeing with the digital revolution, we're now seeing the fact that African Americans are saying, wait a minute, why must we sell our stuff off? Uh, and so what you, what you just heard there were Master P, uh, of course, uh, Romeo, as well as uh, his daughter Symphony. This is about, again, African Americans saying, wait a minute, let's get the big piece of the pie as, a po as opposed to the small piece or the crumbs. And this is what uh, I'm happy to see that this is going on right now in 2019. But this is a long-standing history that is long overseen for many African-Americans and minorities across the country. And I'm just glad even with your own podcast, Roland, has been influential in providing that education and resources for not only African-Americans but minorities and, and to people nationwide. And so I think right now where, where we're looking at uh, the digital divide and also... Uh, where media is going, digital platforms, social media, uh, blogging, everything is, is technological savvy. Every year, I believe uh, um, you have Apple products that are doing updates um, along with uh, many other softwares, but I believe that's what we should be continuously doing with businesses um, that you know want to reach newer heights uh, with some of these uh, opportunities right. that, that do exist. Uh, Eugene. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm excited for the movie. Um, I think, you know, black folk have been creatives and creators for a very long time. And uh, we're in an era where it's being celebrated to own your own masters, to own your own product, to move your own product. And, um, you know, it's we're still working out uh, distribution, as Master P said. But I think, you know, what he and his family has done, uh, what he did with No Limit Records, it's, it's a, it's a uh, blueprint. It's a playbook that can be modeled and uh, replicated. Uh, for up-and-coming creators. 
Lauren? Yes. So, yeah, just like uh, Eugene just said. I mean, it, it is true. I mean, if you go back to Ray Charles and uh, James Brown, they own their masters. I think it was Ray Charles that went from Atlantic Records to Capitol Records, owned all his masters, and obviously... Yep made a ton of money. Uh, I always sort of get confused. I, I hope I meet Jay-Z or Beyonce one day, because I'm dying to ask him why he needs his record company, because <laughs> the distribution piece for music now is all digital. We've seen a few, uh, we've seen a few musicians just do it online. Radiohead just yeah. dropped their album online yeah. and basically just sold it online. So I always wonder, I like, since it. you don't need to press vinyl anymore, it's getting easier to just distri distribute your content. Yeah. Oh, absolutely is. And so, uh, again, so, folks, uh, later in the show, we're going to hear from Anthony Anderson and Chris Singleton uh, about their new Netflix movie, Beats. Uh, and so look forward to that interview. Let's go to uh, some big news out of New York City where activists there are demanding that all of the cut cases that Linda Fairstein was involved in when she was head of the New York Sexual Crimes Unit be reopened as a result of her actions in dealing with the Central Park Five. Uh, joining us right now is Jamani Williams. He is the public advocate there in New York City. Hey, brother, how you doing? Ah, uh, man, I'm, I'm doing all right. How about yourself, bro? Thanks for having me on. Uh, man, always good talking with you. Bottom line is this. Uh, um, the Ava DuVernay uh, series on Netflix has really forced a lot of new dialogue. Uh, Linda Farrestine, she's lost her book publisher, her agent, her book deal. Uh, she's uh, had to resign from boards. Uh, of course, Elizabeth Lederer uh, has decided not to renew at Columbia University. But now this renewed call to reopen the cases. Why do you believe those case, all the cases should be reopened? Absolutely. You know, and as uh, Tamika Manley said, I don't think that uh, uh, Sister Ava's um, series told us something we didn't know. It brought it back to light. It made it as personal that, in a way that we could not ignore it. And so a bunch of us uh, soon after, uh, the Justice League, the Ark of Justice, got together and made some demands, some of which you have already said. Uh, but also, we said we want D.A. Side Dance, uh, who Letterer actually still works for, to fire her. And, and the second part, and probably most important, is to make sure that all of the cases that Linda Fairstein is supervised over, especially those that did not have any DNA evidence, should be reopened, period. Uh, you, you don't do the kind of thing that she did once. Uh, you do it multiple times. And we want to make sure that there aren't other people who are innocent sitting in jail right now. It's hard for us to believe that this was a one-off case. Uh, not only that, when you talk about that, also there were cops involved. Uh, and the fact that the city of New York has still not apologized for this. Uh, do you, uh, Raymond Santana, we had him on this show uh, a week or so ago, and he said that the city of New York should release the depositions that were taken in, the, uh, in, in their suit, saying because the people need to know what those cops said under, uh, under uh, uh, of course, under uh, the law and when they were sworn in. Do you also believe that, th that the New York should uh, open up those files, op release those depositions uh, unredacted so people can know exactly what was said? Um, you know, this is a systems thing. All, all of the systems failed, and, and Raymond is right. I mean, we've seen, unfortunately, uh, some of these things happen time and time again uh, with the Eric Garner case. There was actually uh, the reports that were put on. There were things that just were not true, and we've actually had this happen in New York City multiple times, and everybody knows that there are cases, unfortunately, where officers have lied and there has been no repercussions. So I would say 100% yes. We want everybody to be held accountable. This is something that you can't just let go by because everybody knows how devastating it was. Brother Raymond, we all saw Corey Wise, who I've seen so many times, had no idea 
he's a superhero to me right now, but we owe it to them and to the other folks who have been going through this and the people who we know are still in jail now to keep pushing forward. And we are not going to let up until Side Vance, the DA, says that he's going to make sure that these things are reviewed and Lederer, who still works for him, is fired. And we should go further and ask for these depositions to be reopened so people can see what happened and the folks who were involved are held accountable. All right, Jamani Williams, uh, public advocate for the city of New York. I appreciate it, brother. Thanks a lot. Well, let me just say at 5.30 on Monday, 100 Center Street, uh, we're going to be going to Side Vance's office. We're asking everybody to join us, Justice League, Arc of Justice, myself, other electors, other activists. Please come on down and meet us in New York City, 5.30 Monday, 100 Center Street. All right, brother. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Peace. Lon Victoria Burke, I want to go to you. Uh, the pressure continuing on Letterer, on Farrestein. Uh, activists are making it clear they're not going to back down from any of this. Yeah, and they shouldn't back down because, uh, you know, the public advocate, Mr. Williams, is right. I mean, obviously, this is something that's bound to show some probably a prosecutorial pattern in her work. Obviously, the criminal justice system is very uh, controlled by the prosecution side. Uh, you know, people get elected, politicians get elected bragging about how many people they put in jail. Uh, there's money to be made off of our criminal justice system, unfortunately, so there's a, a perverse incentive there in some cases. Uh, so, you know, I would imagine that uh, knowing New York, because I'm from the Bronx, uh, <laughs> that this will probably be a very lively discussion and a very lively protest on Monday, to say the least. Uh, Eugene Craig, what we're talking about here is, again, people demanding accountability, and that's what we're looking at, a level of accountability when it comes to these prosecutors. Yeah, I, I, and I agree 100% with the activists. Um, the thing is this, when you see one instance, one ounce of prosecu prosecutorial misconduct, you got to open up every case. Because the thing is this, um, our justice system is supposed, is supposed to provide equal justice under the law. And if you find a trace of equal, ju of equal justice not being applied, you have, to, you, you have to have reasonable suspicion that it wasn't applied in other cases. And so, um, you know, it's, it's, it's only right that, you know, and this is something that should have happened years ago. This is something that should have happened a decade ago when, when these gentlemen were found to be innocent. It should have been demanded then that uh, the rest of her cases, both of the, that both of their, the rest of their cases were opened up. But um, with all the new heat around the, uh, the biopic of the Central Park Five or the Freedom Free Five, um, you know, the rest of the cases from Linda Fierce, they need to be, they need to be opened up, they need to be examined. And look, you know, if she did right by those cases, nothing to happen. If she did wrong by those cases, you know, then we need to figure out how do we properly punish bad prosecutors. And if she's so confident about that, she shouldn't have any problem with the cases being opened up. She's Absolutely. saying that the, the documentary right. is inaccurate. Also, by the way, Michael Bloomberg needs to be questioned at yes. some point. He was the one that, that held up the settlement money. And what was that about exactly? You know, I mean, I don't see anybody rushing out to say that this documentary is inaccurate. I don't see any defamation suits being filed. That would indicate to me that the documentary is accurate. <laughs> and in fact, this insane miscarriage of justice is a correct, this, this portrayal of it is correct. Teresa, what this also shows us is the power of media. The fact that right. there was a Ken Burns documentary that was done several years ago, that was on PBS, that got some attention, that had the renewed hype. Right. But for this to go on Netflix, the most viewed shows, the most viewed 
uh, series on Netflix since it premiered May 31st. And because Netflix is worldwide, right. folks across the world saw this and not just in the United States. And that's an example of the power of media, the power of digital platforms, but more so the power of knowing what our voice is and actually putting that out to the public. So, I mean, in one instance, we, we uh, are supposed to be having these platforms and these dialogues and these conversations to bring light to the injustices, to bring light to various situations that are happening across the county. Uh, I believe, you know, uh, uh, Sister Lauren and Eugene earlier when we're talking about doing an examination of those cases, uh, because again, every municipality has an auditor, has a, a city controller, and again, that is their jobs and duties. So if it takes a platform like Netflix or Hulu to present uh, not only the idea, but present the facts to the public so they can now uh, be um, pretty much the law enforcer um, on these issues, then that's what we just got to do. And, and again, it, it needs to go further um, and solutions need to be had. Right. Folks, let's now go to our next story, and that is the case of this rapper, Willie McCoy, who was sleeping in his car. All of a sudden, Vahale California cops roll up on him, shoot 55 times in 3.5 seconds. This video is greatly disturbing. Disturbing. Folks, watch this video. Folks, this was the 16th shooting in the Bay Area since 2011, most of them involving black and Latino men. Joining us right now is John Burris, civil rights attorney uh, and the attorney for the family of um, Mr. McCoy. I, John, what is stunning is this is not somebody who was sitting in his car threatening folks all around. This is not somebody who was waving a gun. He was literally asleep. Now, we've heard multiple things. Is it true that he had a gun on his lap? Well, as far as we understand, there was a, a gun in the car, and it was uh, in his lap or nearby. And the issue was, uh, when the police tried to wake him up, they claimed that he made some kind of movement toward the gun. Our view is that he, he was being awakened. And as anyone who was awakened out of a deep sleep, they don't know where they are and what their natural re reflexes will be. They shot this kid based upon minor reflex natural reactions that a person might have when they're being awakened, startling uh, from sleep. So he never, the evidence doesn't show that he pointed a gun at anyone, that he put his hands on the gun, that he lifted the gun up or anything. They claimed that he moved his hand, and he did move 
looked like he moved to his left shoulder uh, in that kind of movement. And from that movement, which almost like he was trying to scratch himself while he was asleep, that they opened fire on him. It's pretty outrageous in, in the manner in which this took place. I can't think of anything worse than that. But I will say this, uh, Roland, that's disturbing. The Vallejo PD went out and, and got an expert witness who is a hired police practice expert who testifies with the police all the time and generally supports their position. He gives a statement that says that the shooting was justified, the officer's conduct was reasonable, and it's pretty uh, stunning uh, that he would make that kind of accusation when point of fact is that Mr. McCoy was asleep. It was the officers who initiated the contact. It's the officers who were yelling and screaming at him and awakened him and then shot him uh, to smithereens. So uh, pretty outrageous conduct. Uh, it certainly is stunning. And not only that, 55 shots fired in three and a half seconds. Really? I mean, you needed that kind of firepower for a guy sleeping in his car? Right. And actually, and they were... The worst part about it, they were already in a position of cover. They didn't really have to shoot. They had to just stay in position of cover, continue yelling or screaming or using a bullhorn, whatever they wanted to do, and give him an opportunity to react to what was in front of him and what they see. But they did not do that. They put themselves in a position where they felt obligated uh, because they felt they were in harm's way. It was poor police tactics, number one, and certainly faulty judgment on their part. So... Uh, this is scandalous conduct, and certainly from my point of view, uh, criminal prosecution should occur. That has not happened yet. I will tell you this, Roland. I have asked for the Attorney General for the state of California to initiate an independent investigation into the pattern and practice of police shootings in the city of Vallejo. I have at least 10 cases pending now, three of them, three other shooting cases. The, the police department is totally out of control and needs to have intervention. All right, John Burris, uh, we certainly appreciate it, man. Thanks for, thanks for joining us at Roller Martin Unfiltered. Thank you. Thank you. All right, folks, so let's now go talk about Memphis, where there have been some violent protests there taking place all week uh, after a officer shot and killed a black man 20 times. Brandon Weber was shot by U.S. Marshals. Uh, they were trying to serve a warrant, uh, and more than 300 protesters, folks, have gathered in the Fraser neighborhood of northern Memphis to face off. Uh, with tear gas being sprayed and numerous arrests. Uh, here's one of Brandon's relatives reacting to this shooting. Oh, lining up like they right, bro. These folks lining up like they right, bro. These folks lining up like they right, bro. This shit crazy, bro. This shit crazy hell for on God, bro. This shit crazy hell, fool. These folks lining up like they right, bro. Look at these bitches, bro. These folks just killed my motherfucking cousin, bro. These folks just killed my motherfucking cousin, bro. This shit crazy, bro. This shit done killed my, my cousin down there laying in the street, fool. Laying in the yard, bro. I'm with wherever y'all with. I promise I'm with wherever y'all with. I don't want to hear no nice ass shit, bro. I don't want to hear no nice-ass shit, bro. I mean, if I'm with whatever y'all with, bro. If y'all want to whoop the police, I'm with it. Y'all want to whoop these folks, I'm with it, bro. It's on GD, fool. It's on GD, bro. These folks done killed Brandon, bro. 
This shit crazy, bro. Man, fuck a job, bro. I don't want to hear no nice ass shit, bro. I mean, I don't want to hear no nice ass shit. I don't want to hear that shit, bro. I don't want to hear no motherfucking nice ass shit, bro. I don't want to hear that shit, bro. I don't want to hear that shit, fool. I don't want to hear that shit, bro. Nigga can kill my motherfucker. What you mean, bro? I want to go out panel here. I'll start with you, Eugene. We keep hearing these stories. And again, you know, it's amazing. I, can any of y'all recall the last white guy who was shot 20, 30, 40, 55 times by cops? No, Anybody? Not, not, I can't. Um, if I actually do recall, Dylan Roof, who was a mass murderer, was actually taken out peacefully without being shot and actually taken to Burger King. Afterwards. And went to Burger King. Um, what we're coming to see with policing in America is that these law enforcement agencies, they very well choose, pick and choose when they want to use overwhelming force or when they want to peacefully serve warrants or pick up people, um, even in a reaction to it. One thing that you know has, has stuck out is that if you look at the footage right there, the police are ready at any given time to go in and act violently against peaceful protesters. You know, you know, a lot of the coverage has been, oh, you know, uh, uh, there's been quote-unquote riot in Memphis. No, there was a peaceful protest, and then the police decided to act violently, which led to it turning violent on both sides. Um, but, but, you know, we see time and time again when it comes to, to white people that, you know, police are able to, sheriffs, police, you know, federal agents are able to come in and serve warrants peacefully and take the person peacefully without firing off a single shot. But, you know, when it comes to black folk they, or, or Hispanic folk, they come in guns a-blazing. And that's the reality, Lauren Bur Victoria Burke, and that's why black folks say, what the hell? I mean, so you, I mean, we can show you countless examples where cops, well, first of all, where white guys have pointed a gun at cops yeah. and lower your weapon, sir, lower your weapon, and was peacefully arrested. Yeah, well. I, I, can't, I can't remember any story where a black man was waving a gun, pointing at a cop, and he, and he actually came out of that sucker alive. No, he, he came out in a body bag. Yeah, well, uh, you know, the police are a reflection of the greater society, the police are a reflection of our history in the United States over 400 years. Uh, the police profession is no different than any other institution in American life, uh, other than the fact, of course, that they do have a license to kill. Uh, so when they make a mistake or that there is bias, it's reflected, obviously, in their behavior. Right. We've seen, uh, you know, certainly in the Aurora incident in the movie theater, Dylan Roof, uh, we've seen countless incidents of mass shootings perpetrated by Caucasian individuals who are taken alive. It's yep. miraculous. I actually think this situation with the guy sleeping in the car is a really good example of over-policing. I always get confused as to why conservatives yep. and libertarians don't speak out against this, because it is too much government. You know, they find a guy sleeping in a car, and then it becomes a, mass, it becomes a shooting incident. Why is that? Why is that? Why yep. is deadly force... Why was there even a discussion about him sleeping in his car? Like, why did they even yeah. find him? And part of that is a reflection of so yes. many cops on the right. street. Hey, hey uh, folks, i got to go to break right now. When we come back, we're going to talk with Lorenz Tate uh, about season six, the final season of Power. Also, uh, our American Worker segment sponsored by AFSCME. Uh, we got a whole bunch of other stuff left uh, right here, Roland Martin Unfiltered, broadcasting live, 23rd annual American Black Film Festival from Miami. Back in a moment. You want to check out Roland Martin Unfiltered? YouTube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real. It's Roland Martin Unfiltered. See that name right there? Roland Martin Unfiltered. 
like, share, subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's youtube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. And don't forget to turn on your notifications so when we go live, you'll know it. All right, folks, they're back. MarijuanaStock.org is another great investment opportunity. If you were lucky enough to invest in the last crowdfunding campaign, you know they raised a lot of money in just a few months investing in legal marijuana farms. Those initial investors now own shares of a publicly traded company. And, of course, they are very excited by that. Now they have a new investment opportunity that is as good, if not better, than the last. I'm talking about industrial hemp CBD. For those who don't know, the hemp plant is a cousin to marijuana, uh, of course, and then you, it has a higher concentration of CBD, which means hemp CBD gives you all of the medical benefits of marijuana without getting you high. Now, until recently, hemp farming was practically illegal in the U.S. and heavily regulated by the DEA. However, that changed with the 2018 Farm Bill, making it legal to grow hemp CBD in the U.S. and creating one of the largest commodities worldwide. They need land to grow all of the plants, and this makes for an incredible investment opportunity. And that's where our good friends at 420 Real Estate come in. Their business model is simple. They buy land that supports hemp CBD grow operations and lease it to licensed high-paying tenants. That's right. They are hemp CBD landlords, and you can get in on the action. You can invest in this crowdfunding campaign for as little as 200 bucks, up to $10,000. All right, folks, all you got to do is go to MarijuanaStock.org. That's MarijuanaStock.org if you want to get in the game. And if you do so, do it now. All right, folks, welcome back to Miami, 23rd Annual American Black Film Festival. Uh, I am standing right next to the Black Benjamin Button, the brother who never seems to age, no matter how many times we see him, Lorenz Tate from Chi-Town. What's up, baby? Chi-Town, what's going on, Roland, man? So happy to see you, man. You always, Roland is always in the right places, man, and bringing his energy, everybody always sees you, and he's like, Roland is in the building. <laughs> so much love, man. What a phenomenal festival, man. So many great people are here. Uh, you know, we did a panel earlier with Lala Anthony as well as Omari Hardwick representing our Power family. And we got some great stuff happening for, for the fans and Power. We're so excited. Uh, you are a part of what many now call an iconic show. Yes. Uh, a show that, let's just be real clear, uh, put stars on the map. Uh, very clear. And I think Stars knows that. There's no secret that the show Power absolutely put that network on the media's radar in a real way. And so uh, to be a part of such an iconic classic show, and I don't use classic, you know, lightly, it will be and it is a, a classic show. I'm happy that I'm a part of it and being utilized and doing things, you know, when Courtney Kemp said that, hey, I need you. Amari Hartwick had been pushing to get me on the show. We're like, you know, brothers in real life and 50 Cent he and I have been trying to get me on the show since season two. So I'm, I'm just so happy that uh, I'm able to do what I love to do and that they're utilizing me. And uh, it's going to be something extraordinary. If people are not talking about this show, like people were talking about Game of, I'm not going to say the rest of the, the show. Right. We didn't do our jobs. And the fans, y'all ain't do the jobs and support. So y'all got to watch the show. And I know you will. It's crazy. Well, just like how, how I uh, uh, put Scandal on the map, live tweeting Scandal, <laughs> I've been live tweeting uh, uh, Power since season one, so yes. it's not new to me no, uh, no, at all. You're definitely a huge supporter and a big factor of people knowing, so we appreciate that love and support, brother. So I, I was interviewing Omari earlier, and so I wanted to get your thoughts about this here, because I, mean, I experience it all the time. Here, other places I go, going down the street, bus drivers, cabbies, whatever, 
uh, from your perspective, explain to the folks who are watching, because we're streaming on Facebook, Periscope, YouTube, plus we got the podcast, all those things all at one time. What does black love feel like when brothers and sisters who shine shoes, like I say, who are bus drivers, who, who get cats who just got out of prison, who come up to you and they talk about what you mean to them? What, how does that make you feel? It feels right. And it feels like what it's supposed to be. We're supposed to be supporting each other. We're supposed to be giving that black love and that black unity. It's so important. And what it says is that we place value on one another in a, a place where, you know, we've been taught to devalue our, ourselves. But to be able to stop and to communicate and talk just a little, hey, I appreciate what you do. We, it goes so far and it means so much. And so, uh, again, anytime I hear people talk about the projects that I've done and the work that I've done and what it meant to them just means everything to me. And it keeps me motivated and inspired to do more and better stuff. But again, you know, just to be able to see what you're doing, what people are doing at ABFF and showing the love for what Jeff Friday has been able to create here is magical and the vibe and the energy is just right. My father always talks about, you know, you know, it's not about a sprint, it's about a marathon. God rest Nipsey Hustle, who's about keeping the, 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 the marathon continuing. But the thing about it is like, you know, continue to keep that love and that connection, man, amongst us, man. And the, and the black beauty, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing, that black love. All right, baby. Always good to see you. Looking forward to the final season, it's season six. Y'all going to make sure y'all check it. It's August 29th, I believe, is when it comes out. Please support it. Check us out. Power, y'all. All right, baby. I appreciate it. Love, Thanks baby. a bunch. All right, folks. Uh, Dion Cole, get over here. Yeah, see, that's what happened when you live. So I see Dion Cole just over there just talking and everything like that. So I was like, get on over here. Uh, and so uh, we got my homeboy, of course, uh, from Blackish. Uh, Y'all know him. Uh, he's going to be doing the HBO uh, comedy deal tonight. Shout out, shout out. I just want to make sure I get a ticket. Can I, can I get a ticket to the come show? Tonight, I, 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 come, come tonight, man. Come tonight. We need a ticket or is the badge work? Yeah, I'm going to be there. This is Chicago love. Shout you know shout that, right? This, this is Chicago. the love that you were talking about. Yeah, yeah. this is that love right here all day. Chicago, then. I got to come in here. Get in here, This is what we do. You see how black people from Chicago do? They just bum rush. They just straight bum rush. What's up, baby? You What's good? up, Doc? I'm good, man. Why, where, if you're not going to wear your ascots, give them to me. Because I'm going to need one. Come on, man, for real. Can I, can I get, can I get I, it? I, I can hook you up. Just, just give me two of them. I'm going to frame one of them. <laughs> <laughs> I want a little frame. Be like, just roll him on ass guy. He retired. Hey, what's going on? I'm good, baby. How you doing, I'm man? all good. Last time I saw you, we in Washington, D.C. Killing him on stage. Yo, we had a great time. And then we went and chopped it up with uh, Chuck D. Yes, indeed. Yes, Wasn't indeed. that amazing? Yes, it was. Man, sat up with Chuck D, me, you, and sat up and kicked it. That was great, man. Yeah, so I'm out here now, man. We're doing the comedy competition, hosting it for the HBO. Uh, it's going to be crazy. We got five comics they picked from around the country. The best that's going to come in and get down, and they're going to win some money. And they're going to win an opportunity to pitch projects to HBO. And, uh, you know, get their springboard off. Now, I, uh, first of all, I have a hashtag called Live Life, Love It. That's my life motto. And your ass was living life, driving driving through L.A., butt naked, top down, 
shooting video. First of all, can you please can, can you please get a phone holder? Cause you can't be driving and holding the phone and you're butt naked. And I'm like, really, Dion? Can you put some clothes on? Man, that's some shorts on, man. It was hot. It was 105 degrees, man. LA was 105, yo. And I live in, I live way out. Would you at least put some sunscreen on? We ain't trying to get you to get skin cancer. Yeah, I had sunscreen on. Yeah, I was doing it though, bro. Y'all go to this Instagram page. Y'all gonna see Dion Cole That's butt naked right. driving. Right. Uh, what are you driving? A Rolls or something? Bro, no, uh, I don't know what kind of car it is. It damn sure wasn't a Hyundai. <laughs> you silly. You the silliest boy. Well, it was always good to see you. Uh, hold up, hold up. I gotta ask you, uh, the the IG video of your mama. My mother is saying when she, I, I I felt you, I felt you, I felt your spirit in town. You were looking like my mother always doing that. She like it's the DNA. I told you. She called it divine anointment or, or anointment. That's what she got. So she. Anytime I come in town, she go, I knew you was here. I'll be like, you didn't know I was here. You didn't even tell you I was coming in town. So, yeah, my mom's the best. Shout out to my mama. Hey, mama. It's all good, though. It's always good to see you. Keep doing your thing. I man. will do. So what? Do our badges work for tonight, or is it something special we got to have? No, man. Just have your badge. You all good. Tonight is good. Nah, I, I, nah, I don't care a badge. Oh, you rolling, Martin. You don't need nothing. Cut it out. <laughs> rolling trying to be modest. See you tonight, boy. All right, Dion. I'll see you tonight, baby. All right, uh, again, we're here at the 23rd Annual American Black Film Festival. And so we had some other stuff planned, but bottom line is when folks stroll through, you know, we had to go ahead and just grab them. And so we appreciate uh, Master P, uh, uh, Lil' Romeo, Big Romeo, uh, as well as uh, Symphony, of course, and also Lorenz Tate uh, and Dion Cole stopping by. All right, folks, I want to go back to our panel uh, there in um, uh, Nation's Capital. And uh, I got to ask y'all about... About this story here. So first of all, I'm going to go to our American Workers segment for sponsored by AFS CME before I talk about my next story. Y'all go ahead and rotate. All righty, folks. Again, uh, here is uh, our American Workers segment. Y'all got it ready? If so, roll it. A lot of the times people look at them as juvenile delinquents, but everybody has a past. Nobody's perfect. My name is Tanisha Barnes. I work at New Beginnings Department of Youth Rehabilitation Services, and I'm a cook there. At 3.15, I get up, get myself ready. I have to leave out by, you know, later than 4.25 to get to work. When I get to work at 5 o'clock, I cook, prepare breakfast, um, prepare lunch, the population is 30 males, and I just try to let them know that it's okay. We all make mistakes, but it's where you go and what you do after your mistakes to make everything better. When I cook for the kids, and they say, I know you cook this, because you cook this with love, then you miss B. You put this love in that. Having children and then becoming a union member shows me that it's more that I could fight for uh, better education, better paying jobs, safety. You're, helping develop something more meaningful in the workforce. I even got my kids involved. We do rallies, we do door knocks. I'm working for myself, I'm working for my children, and I just want them to be proud of me uh, for going after what I believe in and following my dreams as I try to push them to do the same thing. I love my kids and I love the kids I serve. 
and I'm glad that I can go and make a positive impact on their lives every day. All right, folks, we certainly appreciate FSCME for being a partner here at Roland Martin Unfiltered. All right, panel, um, what the hell is wrong with folks in Illinois? Illinois prison has removed 200 books from the prison library, most of them dealing with the issue of race. Illinois Department of Corrections officer John Baldwin said the explanation he received from the Danville prison warden was that a lot of the books got in without going through the, quote, review process. There were no explanation for how the prison identified the books that weren't subjected to a review process. Y'all, we're talking about books such as the book on the color of law explaining, explaining housing discrimination uh, in Chicago, another book on Frederick Douglass. Really, Teresa? Really? Most of the books dealing with race and, and uh, police and inmates and black people, really? Teresa there? The institution psychological piece that I think they're doing with inmates to pretty much keep them in bondage and make sure they're uneducated, unequipped, and um, unworthy of having that type of education once they leave. I believe also um, in that article, they also said they had a book there uh, that had to relate to children's books and, and how uh, men, you know, should be talking to their children and stuff like that. So pretty much life lesson books and, and that hasn't went through their... Um, uh, the, uh, the review process, which I think is pretty much absurd. But again, keeping um, not only the minorities down, the black people down, but pretty much anybody who who is getting out of prison who wants a second chance should be educated on their rights and responsibilities. Lauren, ain't nobody buying this excuse that of all the books that you have out there, uh, you're banning the ones dealing with black people? Yeah, well, I mean, obviously it comes down to the decision of some warden standing someplace that, you know, thinks that these books are dangerous. It also comes down to the question of whether or not we believe prison is about rehabilitation or punishment. Uh, I don't know why that would have anything, though, specifically to do with these books. But generally speaking, when people become threatened by ideas and threatened by you know, things that would maybe empower people who are incarcerated, these types of dumb things happen. and. You know, here we are. Uh, Eugene, uh, first of all, yes, it's amazing. Words are dangerous because <laughs> they are power. And when you all of a sudden begin to educate and inform inmates, oh, that's the last thing these folks want. Yeah, look, truth is treason in the empire of lies. Um, ideas are powerful. Ideas are dangerous. And the most easiest way to transfer an idea is via a book. Um, and, you know, the warden and uh, probably some of the prison guards understand that. And, uh, you know, the climate of things going on outside of the prison's walls, uh, which affect things inside the prison walls. Um, look, they said, look, we can't have our guys getting access to these ideas. And that's what you're seeing right now. So it's, it's a form of censorship, uh, which should not take place. You know, it probably wasn't even that deep of a decision. There was probably not a lot of deep thought that went into that. I wouldn't imagine that, like, you know, they sat around for too long really thinking deeply about these books that they probably themselves had not read. <laughs> so they're judging it probably by the title and the general yeah. subject matter, and that's pretty much it. Right. 
All right, then, folks. So hold tight one second. Tonight on Showtime is the debut of the documentary 16 Shots. Uh, it is about the death of 17-year-old Laquan McDonald in Chicago, which, of course, led to massive protests there, as well as the individual conviction of the cop who uh, killed him, who lied about it, but who also killed him. Here's a preview of that documentary. Chicago Police Department averages maybe 30 police shootings a year. I think it's a level of people being desensitized from the violence. When you look at the police reports that were signed off, it's a justified shooting. And if somebody gets near you with an open knife... I'm sorry, but that's a threat. What the local news put out there. An individual with a knife coming at the officer. That is not the story. This boy been shot. And there's a lot of bullet holes in him. I'm just there is a police dash cam video that contradicts the official story. What we saw was, in our opinion, a first-degree murder. There's an escalation of involvement from people across the city. Justice for us is Jason Van Dyke being convicted of the murder of the Quan McDonald. He was their son. He was their brother. He was them. Chicago has not had to reckon with what happens when you don't hold folks in law enforcement accountable. Almost overnight, the power and legitimacy of city institutions cratered. There's 86 minutes that are missing. The Laquam case was not a cover-up. It's a story of our racial nightmare in this country. If he is acquitted... All right, again, folks, that documentary airs tonight on Showtime. All right, Lauren and uh, Teresa and Eugene, we know we got some basketball fans. But I saw this video on social media before we came on the show, and this brother was not particularly pleased that the Toronto Raptors beat the Golden State Warriors to win the NBA title. Press play. Hey. much money on that dog okay? <laughs> um, look you know what you see here is a, a prime example of when one bets just way too much money on a game that he has no you know awareness of what the outcome's going to be you should have been prepared for uh, the Raptors to eventually close out you know I had you know trouble believing that they were closers because they should have won it in game five and end up winning it in game six as many people you know thought that they may end up doing um, but it came, it was close, and almost went to a game seven. 
Um, you know, but, you know, he should not be surprised, you know. I mean, even if you look at Warriors basketball over the last five years, the three the three championships that they have, you know, they were mostly won off of other teams being injured. You know, people were complaining okay, on Twitter it don't even, Okay, it don't even matter. Lord, <laughs> you don't destroy your damn TV and your computer because you lost some money. Now your ass about to lose some more money. I know, I know. I mean, that's what happens when you gamble. I mean, I don't know nothing about basketball other than the teams that have the words New York or Virginia on them. But, uh, yeah, I mean, when you bet on stuff that, like with sports, anything can happen. Like, particularly with football and basketball. Everything comes down to, like, the last few minutes in, in typical professional basketball games, particularly in the championship, like you basically could just wait the last two minutes, but you have no idea what's going to happen. So to be betting on that is is real foolhardy, <laughs> real foolhardy. Teresa, if you don't have if you don't have enough money to lose it <laughs> and not destroy your television and computer, my suggestion is you don't bet. <laughs> Hope that that. Uh, television and that uh, computer was actually his because I'm sure there's an outtake somewhere where somebody's like, bruh, that's my stuff. So, <laughs> I just hope that it was his property. It's the foolishness out of it. Um, I, I think we got some laughs, but we also had to raise an eyebrow. Uh, but I hope he did learn a lesson. And I do hope if he ever goes to a casino, he does know he will be escorted um, and probably held down if he tried yeah, to do that um, inside of a casino. Absolutely. And so uh, we had to show that video. First of all, I want to thank Teresa, Eugene, and Lauren for being on our show today. Uh, folks, we're going to end the show. Uh, first of all, if you uh, please support our Bring the Funk fan club. At the end of the show, we're going to roll the credits of all the folks who have given to our fan club. We appreciate all of you and all the dollars that you have given towards us to make this type of show possible, being able to tra challenge, travel to the American Black Film Festival to bring you content that no one else is really bringing you. And so we're going to have that at the end of the show. But first, uh, I interviewed uh, Anthony Anderson and Chris Singleton about their Netflix movie Beats, uh, which is a very interesting story about uh, a young uh, musical genius in Chicago, but who is dealing with PTSD uh, from the gun trauma there. And a man who made mistakes in his past is now a school, a school security guard, how he, of course, is trying to help this young man. I sat down with the both of them, talk about this film. And just letting y'all, I'm just warning y'all right now, Anthony Anderson, being Anthony Anderson, let's just say you might hear a few MFs in this conversation. All right, folks, uh, we're going to play this. Uh, I'm going to say bye now, but you're going to watch the rest of this. I'm going to see you guys uh, Monday uh, right here, Roller Martin Unfiltered. Here's my conversation with Anthony Anderson and Chris Singleton from the 23rd Annual American Black Film Festival. And so what did you want to bring out uh, the, the flavor of Chicago? Because we're talking about not, not just hip-hop. We're talking about we can go back to blues. We can go back to chess records. We can go back to a whole lot of artists that have come out of the Windy City. Listen, from, from Common to Buddy Guy, you know, we wanted to be authentic. Like you said, it's a rich, rich history uh, in Chicago. And that's the big, the big 
point for us in making film is that it's always authentic. When you're in it, you want to feel the city from the way that the dog sounds down the street that's different from the way the alleys feel and sound just sonically, you know, this, this film is a sonic film uh, in many ways. So what, what we really just wanted to bring across was authenticity. Now in this, you a janitor? What are you, something like that? Obviously you haven't seen the film, bro. <laughs> no, because I had to go to the premiere tonight to see the film. Why did all the other journalists who came in here before you see the film, Rogan? Because they ain't me. Obviously. No. What do you play? I'm not a janitor, okay? I'm a high school security guard. Oh, hell, that's the same thing. Because <laughs> at, at a black high school, the security guard was a damn janitor. <laughs> he was everything. He was the therapist. He was the janitor. Uh, he was the mechanic. He was the shop teacher. Uh, he was assistant principal. Uh, but no, no, you know, uh, my, my character, Romello, you know, had a fall from grace from, uh, from the music industry. And, you know, he finds himself uh, basically a, a rent-a-cop, a school security guard, you know, trying to uh, get these kids uh, back in school. And, and I come across this young, talented uh, kid who's, who's now uh, being homeschooled because of some things that happened to his family in the street and, you know, uh, anxiety and PTSD and... Uh, I see a chance to get my life back musically uh, and to give him a new life in, in the process with, without really screwing him over. Yeah, but I do so in the end. But I have some redemptive qualities. Right yeah, there. that's totally fictitious right there. Uh, <laughs> 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 totally. That's totally fictional. Uh, Chris, when you talk about... Um, um, how do you separate for the audience? How, how do you try to create a different vision for the audience who sees Anthony as a father on blackish, but you have to create something different. You got to show them something different when it comes to a movie. How do you approach that? Knowing full well, it's a show that's still going on. And so people go, wait a minute, hold up. That's the dude from blackish. Well, I think it's, I think it's all in his performance. I think, you know, what, you know, he is, he represents us in the culture in many ways, right? He's a, you know, when you see him, you feel good about yourself. You see him as a father in blackish. You see him as a, a host at award shows. So we know there's a certain quality in what he represents in us. So the challenge is coming into this role is how does the audience see him? But when you, when you have an actor who has chops this way, when he becomes this character and he, he leaves, you know, he looks like he looks, right? <laughs> but he leaves that character behind and he becomes Romello. I think that the audience just sinks into it. And before you know it, you forget, you know, that he plays another role. And that's what this brother has is he's just a great actor. So I, so I appreciate all of that. So tell me about Anthony. See, see Roland, if, <laughs> if you had seen the film, Roland, that wouldn't have been a question that you would be asking right now. Actually, actually, with those of us who know how to ask questions, that is why you ask that question to elicit that response from the director. That's why you actually do it. So if you could stay your ass in your lane, and then I'll stay in mine. This is what I do. This is what you do. When's the last time you've been called a motherfucker on your show, Roland? <laughs> the last fucking time I interviewed you. Oh, well. At your golf tournament. <laughs> The last time. That, that was just three weeks ago. Yes. <laughs> and, since, and since I bought the N-word, he really wanna call me that. <laughs> and then he used the coon word. I said, I don't like coon either. He was like, Well, how's motherfucker? I like that's allowed. Okay, motherfucker. See, that's I mean that that's what happens. <laughs> <All right. laughs> 
I love you, brother. <laughs> this is how every interview goes. And luckily, it's just my... is that why I never see myself on your network? No, no, no. no. You are you always on. And on the and luckily, this my show is called Roller Martin Unfiltered. I own it. We stream it. So he's so happy he can actually cuss without being bleeped. Hey, remember that time I cussed out the Reverend? That was was he a Reverend? I was in the studio in D.C. You guys were in New York because you had to do something at the White House. Yes. And that man, I, yes, he was really extra. I, I, can't, I can't remember what I said, but I basically cussed out a pastor on, on Roland's show. This is me. <laughs> pastor, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Pastor, I'm sorry. God know where my heart is. No, God knew, God knew you were heathen. So, God, so God's like, you lying right now. <laughs> So how did you have to deal with that? Because you're trying to do this serious movie, but you have to deal with all of that. Listen, you, when you come to play in the big leagues, you got to be ready to play in the big leagues. This is, this is, you know, a perennial all-star in the big leagues. So you can't, you can't be a wilting flower when you come to set and you guys are making it work. Because, it, listen, as, as hard as we work to make something authentic, uh, it's not all it's not always great days it's not always that everything is beautiful but you you meet the challenge and our goal is the same our goal is to create something that is authentic and the only reason to do this work you know this is a labor of love you know it's not you know we didn't go do a marvel movie and make you know millions of dollars what, what we did was something for our culture something that we loved and something that resonated with us personally and last question for you is this for all the rent cops out there? Uh-huh. What about it? Okay, power to the people for all, all the uh, high school uh, security guards out there that's representing. So do you now treat security guards better? I've always, man, I've always treated top flight security good, man. Because you were once in a previous movie. Yes, I was. Uh, uh, Big Mama's House, yeah. I believe, yeah. That's when you were Big Anthony. Do you like Big Anthony or Small Anthony? We all like Big Anthony. Okay, well. Big, Big Anthony was funnier. This interview is over. <laughs> my comedy has never been predicated upon my weight. Oh, you like Luther, Big Luther, Little Luther. That's, I like healthy Anthony. Unfunny, healthy Anthony. That's <laughs> what shit. I wish type two diabetes on you. I wish it on you. I wish the shovels on you. And he was just talking about God. See, right there, he was acting. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck with the film, guys. <laughs> oh, I appreciate it. Appreciate it. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.
Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. I'm late. I'm late for a very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from undercover tourists. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from undercover tourists and authorized seller and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with undercover tourists now and save. UndercoverTourist.com Nobody wants to outlive their money, but it happens, especially for women. That's why Gainbridge offers the Parity Flex annuity, designed for women's unique retirement needs, with flexible withdrawals plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. Gainbridge is helping build a better financial future for women. Retirement income you can't outlive is the ultimate flex. Start saving now at Gainbridge.io. Visit Gainbridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, full product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information.